0: Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. March Madness tips off on Thursday, and to get your brackets set, make sure you listen and subscribe to our college basketball experts on One Shining Podcast with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. Also on Monday, be sure to watch the guys on their live selection show, recapping the seedings from Selection Sunday, and previewing the top matchups to look forward to. You can check out the show on YouTube and listen to One Shining Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: To heat check. That was heat check time.
2: Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by my producer, Isaac Lee. Isaac, we were both out of town this weekend. You went to San Francisco. I was yes. in Big Bear in the mountains here in California but like good basketball aficionados that we are we just watched hoops the entire
3: time right right we just we went to our respective mm-hmm. uh, destinations and uh, we busted out our tablets and computers and just watched hoops All watched basketball, basketball all
2: the time uh, i did however get a chance to pause and check out the reviews from last week's show so <laughs> isaac in the history of heatcheck as our resident heatcheck historian have mm-hmm. we uh, and then like i know we do that bit a lot but this time i'm being a- absolutely serious Have you ever seen as much reaction to a guest or a topic as we got from one Tyler Tynes, who is now simultaneously the most loved and hated guest in Heat Check history?
3: I don't think I've ever seen this on any kind of podcast or any kind of creative output that I've ever put out. Like it's it's really astonishing to see one side of people being like, I love this guy, have him on every week, and the other side being like, I hated hearing all of his takes. (laughs) It was
2: it was truly incredible. If you missed last week's show, we had staff writer Tyler Tynes on for the first time ever. And he is, I've known him since he was a kid. He was an intern back when I was a columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. And He is what you might call an acquired taste. A provocateur, Uh, if you will. (laughs) I love them. There are other people who love them, and evidently some people who don't, but we appreciate all the feedback that you guys gave us. We hope uh, you'll continue to listen. We'll have times on. And again, he was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to say thank you for listening and uh, remind you to please rate and review us and all of our fantastic ringer NBA shows and pods. We have lots of great content on the ringer selection Sunday just happened. So you get all your NCAA content. Titus and Cram both have pieces up there. One shining podcast came out hot. You want to check that out? KOC has a piece that's sort of a hybrid that explains why NBA teams must do whatever it takes to get one uh, Zion and uh, then in the NBA realm Palo has a piece on why the loss of one Malcolm Brogdon the worst rookie of the year ever is uh, who stole it Isaac he stole it from Joel Embiid it's actually a bummer for the Bucs that could really use him right about now they just lost a really fun game to watch to the Philadelphia 76ers and uh, NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion. They've been killing it all year. But Isaac, you made your triumphant return. Ice to Ice is back.
3: <laughs> ice to Ice is back. Uh, we made a song called Sell the Team mm-hmm. based on the Beatles' Let It Be. And it's pretty self-explanatory. It's uh, aimed towards James Dolan.
2: When you get your EGOT, will you continue to be my <laughs> producer or will that, will he check B2 below you at that point? <laughs>
3: He chick will never be too below me, John Gonzalez.
2: I like that about you. Uh, we're going to listen to that song a little bit later. We're going to have Dan Devine on the program to talk about the Knicks and spiraling James Dolan, who just gets angry all the time and yells at people. So we'll talk to Devine about the Knicks and his other, he wrote uh, about the five most interesting teams of the week per usual. He does that every week. So we'll get into some of those with him later on in the program. But first... The playoffs, are creeping. They're coming, Isaac. And mm-hmm. uh, we figured we'd look at the playoffs to a different perspective. We're going to play a little game where we place our bets on different things that we think might happen in the playoffs. And for that, we need somebody who's fun, but also a degenerate. Let's bring him in. Boom,
1: shakalaka. He's heating up. He's on fire. All
2: right. Joining us on the other line, one of my absolute favorites from Fairway Roland, his new golf podcast and... House of Carbs, he had me on for the first time ever. I was so excited to talk about all the food I ate in Greece. uh, Joe House is here. Yay, yay. What's up, buddy? What up, guys? Uh, We're doing yet another House of Carbs heat check crossover.
4: I love it. The more we can cross over the better. Alan
2: Iverson approves <laughs> yes, uh, in in honor of Alan Iverson, we dedicate this podcast. I thought I'd have you on because you know we're in that period now where we're waiting for the playoffs to start, and a lot of the teams, especially in the West, look like they're locked in. In the East, there could be like a little bit of drama with that last with that eight seed, but mostly we're just waiting. So I thought we'd we'd do a thing where we place some bets on teams and players that we think might be good in the playoffs, might be bad in the playoffs, and who better than you? You're you're my favorite degenerate. So I I thought you know we'll bring House in for this.
4: I'm honored, believe me. I mean you could have gone to Cousin Sal, any of his degenerate mm-hmm. trifecta. Those guys are all over the NBA action, but I'm glad you came to me. I do have some. Uh, Wrongs that need to be righted, you know, Bill Simmons and I at the beginning of each NBA season try and do our best at forecasting the fortunes of the teams, our NBA over unders. I don't know how we're going to do, but I do know we are going to fail miserably (laughs) on on a handful of our prognostications. So I like having this little opportunity. Well, we we said the Lakers were not only going to make the playoffs, but we're going to be like a a top three or four seed. So that's not happening.
2: So I always love that podcast that you do with Bill. Uh, It's one of my favorites of the year. I was right there with you on the Lakers. Isaac has been Isaac and Paolo have been busting my balls about the Lakers all season long. I had them third behind the Warriors and the Rockets in the West. And uh, House, I don't think that one's going to come home for me.
4: This is one of those uh, classic examples of uh, future results cannot be uh, based on on previous experience.
2: All right, so let, let's get into this. Let's let's start in the Eastern Conference. As I mentioned. As drama goes, this is probably it for like who's going to make the playoffs, and it's who's going to make it into that eight seed. So the options are the Heat, the Magic, the Hornets, and for this team, I just put LOL on the outline. That's your Washington Wizards. Oh, uh, God. The Heat are uh, in command of that, that eight spot right now. A game behind them are the Magic. Two games behind them are the Hornets, and then in the in the distance there are the Washington Wizards, but still not statistically eliminated. So place your bet on who you think will get that eight seed.
4: I believe it's going to be the Miami Heat for a couple of reasons. First of all, they actually seem to be intending to um, make the playoffs Mm -hmm. this year. They have a, a goal and intention, and I think it's just part of the Pat Riley DNA and what that franchise hopes to do in terms of acquiring players as long as they're around the rim and competitive in terms of just making the playoffs year over year. Miami takes care of itself. There's no income tax in Florida. So I think, you know, the, the one last run out of Pat Riley, out of this upcoming free agent class, you know, he's got one more set of surprises, I anticipate. So them being in the playoffs helps with that narrative. They're trying. They're not going to, you know, tank over these last 10, 11 games and miss the playoffs. I also had the uh, displeasure of watching the Orlando Magic play my own Washington <laughs> Wizards uh, wow, last you week. You watched that game? I watched quite a bit of it. You know, we're in this incredible run by Bradley Beal, yes. so he is he is the the reason to watch any anything involving Washington. And I expected to see an Orlando team threatening to make the playoffs with goals and intentions, with aspirations of, of rewriting their own narrative. They sucked. So uh, you know, congratulations to them at least being relevant in this conversation. But I don't know who they are. Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Vucevic. Oh, Fournier DJ and Ross. Fournier. And, yeah. Right, Terrence, Ross like you know, fine, sure. Yeah. They just, you know, aren't moving the needle
2: for me. So, the heat is is my selection for that slot. I'm with you on Orlando. Orlando has all year long like everybody you talk to in the league will say like Orlando really wants to make the playoffs. It's important to them. They're trying. So they're doing like two things simultaneously. One, they're trying to get better and make the playoffs 2 They're also, as you mentioned, trying to develop all these young players that you just outlined. And it's kind of stuck them in like a weird middle spot. They've just been like sort of sub 500 all year and like trying to get on the come, but it's, it's been difficult. Whereas like the Miami heat have this history under Pat Riley of they hate to tank. They're trying to, you know, make the playoffs and then add people in free agency. And, you know, Pat Riley said that, uh, you know, this season hasn't been good enough and they're going to reboot and he's dedicated to that. And to your point about like them not just sort of throwing it away towards the end of the season, they've won seven of their last 10. They're a professional organization where as the Magic are still trying to figure it out and the Hornets are still trying to figure it out and the Wizards are the Wizards. Uh, By the way, did you see who the Magic recently signed?
4: Did I see who the magic re? No, I I haven't been tracking the uh, the magic free agent wire.
2: Ten day contract for your guy, MCW.
4: <laughs> Why is he my guy? I He's don't know. Like, he not, he is, can't he be ain't my guy.
2: He can't be my guy either. Uh, Michael Carter Williams and Markel Fultz on the same team.
4: I mean, this is a league where Trey Burke has a job. So what? What do you want to say?
2: <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? I'm rooting for Michael Carter Williams. That's a that's got to be really tough, man. Can you imagine like? You start out, you're obviously the prototype of the good stats, bad team guy when he was playing for the Sixers at the very beginning of the tank era. And he wins rookie of the year. And then he gets traded. And then, you know, before he knows knows it, he's like just trying to catch on in the league. Then he ends up with the Rockets. And that's obviously a bad fit because he can't shoot. And then all of a sudden he's out for a while. And now he's on a 10-day with the magic. My God, what a fall.
4: Well, it's a case study in... How important it is when you get that first contract, when you arrived in the league, take that money and stick it into an interest-bearing account. 7% is fine. And if you want to buy a house, a house is okay. Just make sure it's in a a location that's likely to hold its value. You can look up the historical results year over year. This is my free financial advice to every NBA rookie. Stick that money on that first NBA contract in the bank. 6% is okay. 7% is fine. 8% is a home run just let that money compound. Don't go out and buy a bunch of garbage, like
2: jewelry and nonsense stuff. We're going to get you a financial podcast after this. That was very Herm Edwards of you. Herm used to say all the time, like you don't need two cars. You can only drive one at a time. This is sound advice. When I sign my first NBA contract, I'm coming to you. Okay, good. I'll help. You're going to manage my money. All right. So we're eliminating the whiz. The whiz are terrible. I, I, the Hornets are too far back. I don't see the Magic pulling it off. I'm with you. I think it's going to be the Heat, and I think it should be the Heat. And by the way, if you are uh, right now, it would be the Bucs in the Heat. Yeah. And the Bucs just lost Malcolm Brogdon, who, you know, I make fun of Malcolm Brogdon, but he's a useful piece. He soaks up a lot of minutes for them. Yeah. So that makes them a little bit thinner. I mean, if you're the Bucs, are you a little bit worried about the Heat? No. Nah.
4: I am bummed, though, that the Bucs don't have Brogdon. I wanted them to arrive in the playoffs with their full complement and all of the chemistry that they developed over this season, which I think has been as much as anything, a big contributor to this, their success this season. Speaking of 10 day contracts, I mean, they need a, they
2: need that body to take up some of those Brogdon minutes. Yeah. That should have jumped on that MCW train. He's, I mean, one from one rookie of the year to the other, right? He, he was avail- He was available. Yeah, he was. Uh, all right, let's do another one here. Give me your team that you think will be the biggest surprise in the playoffs, and we could go a lot of different ways on this because I think, like, interestingly, in the same way that like the Eastern Conference is just sort of a jumble, and who knows what's going to happen outside of the Warriors, I could see anybody in the Western Conference advancing.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I feel the exact same way. Unfortunately, you're going to be mad at me, and I can't believe I'm on the same line of thinking as Stephen A. Smith on this. Okay. But I believe the biggest surprise in the playoffs, unfortunately, is the Boston Celtics. No! They are my pick to win the Eastern Conference in the 2019 I'm going to start booing on this podcast. My my (laughs) new thing's going to be booing and I'm booing you now. It's your pod. You can boo. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. They are predictably rounding into form. It has been Unpredictable. We thought that they'd be rounding into form. There was like three different times over the course of this season that Bill Simmons came on and said, oh, it looks like they have it figured out. And each time they did not have it figured out. I'm sad to say it does seem like they may have it figured out in this last little bit of like 15 to 20 games. It seems like Kyrie has shut up. He has attempted to mend fences. Apparently there was a plane ride from the west east coast to the west coast where they all got on the same page. These injuries that Al Horford and Gordon Hayward experienced over the weekend, honestly, are somewhat blessings in disguise in this way. Horford, it gives him the excuse that he needs to go ahead and rest. He needs to rest. These next 12 games really don't matter to the Celtics because they're pretty locked in, it seems, to the five seed, I believe. Is that right? There,
2: are in the right five seed? Right now, they're in the five. They'd end up playing the Pacers. I, I think, like... From a purely academic standpoint, your pick makes sense because I, you know, we were talking about the Pacers and like, I don't know who their best player is. they have just been sort of plugging along and, and being competent all season without Oladipo and good for them. But the Celtics on paper have a lot more talent. The thing here is, though, at present, the Pacers would have home court advantage. The Celtics, much better at home in Boston than they are on the road. They're 26 and 10 at home. They're 500 away from the garden house. So, like, I wonder if that would matter. And, again, the Pacers are kind of plucky.
4: I love the Pacers. What a great story. What a, what an organization – that was confronted with, with really an existential kind of uh, uh, crisis with Paul George saying he wanted to leave and, you know, what are, were they going to do? And they make a trade that nobody saw coming and then were roundly criticized for what they got back in that trade with Sabonis and, and, uh, and Ola Deep. And by golly, they are not only in the upper echelon of the East, they lost their best player and still they're out there busting their ass. Showing a level of commitment. Like if I had I wish I had Indiana season tickets. That's a franchise that gives a shit about its fans. Right, let's They're not out get, there let's trying not get crazy
2: here. Let's not, I mean, I'm like am saying. You gotta maybe pump the brakes on that one a little bit because I like I all credit to the Pacers for doing what they've done and like still staying in that three, four, five mix. They lately haven't been as good, but still plugging along, but still kind of a rough watch. I mean, like you're you're looking at Bogdanovich and Thad out there, and I'm like, all right. And also the schedule makers house have not done them any favors for the second year in a row. They have a brutal and protracted West coast road trip right now where they, they just lost by two to Denver. They're in Portland tonight. They play in LA against the Clippers tomorrow. They've got golden state on Thursday. Then they're home against Denver again. Then they're back on the road for, an OKC Boston road trip two gamer, which is kind of crazy. So, like if they come out of this still in that three, four, five mix, good for them. But I, I don't know about watching them. That's a little bit it's different.
4: <laughs> well, that let's stop because um that's the most the pacers have been discussed probably on this podcast it's or lot. any podcast. The it's a entire lot of pacers season. talk.
2: All right, but I like that I like your Celtics pick. I don't like it, but you know what I mean. All right. So yeah. for me, you could go a lot of different ways here. I think like in in the Eastern Conference, you know, if you are, say, the Raptors. Or the Sixers, and you're looking at potentially a first-round matchup with the Nets or the Pistons. That probably doesn't make me feel super great about it. I'm going to go to the Western Conference, where I think like basically everything is up for grabs. Like I, I could see the four or five matchup is the Blazers or the Thunder. I could see either of them advancing. Uh, I don't see the Spurs getting past the Rockets. The interesting part here for me is who the Nuggets draw, because it's right now looking like the Jazz or the Clippers. So you got to know your audience. We always say that here at Heat Check. I'm going to pick the Clippers for my pleasant surprise. I'm going to pander to my producer, Isaac Lee. Unbelievable. I'm going to say the Clippers end up in that 2-7 matchup with the Nuggets. And if I'm the Nuggets, I don't want any part of the way the Clippers are playing right now. Lou Williams is killing it. Gallo is killing it. Montrez is killing it. Like that team is just, they're the Pacers, but even more professional, even more talented. They don't have one single guy who you could point to and go, oh, he's clearly their best guy. They just have a lot of talented people across the board. And by the way, House, as a golfer, how much money would you have bet that by now at this point in his career, that Doc Rivers would be out golfing somewhere instead of coaching?
4: This is the most incredible story of of this NBA season. It's one of the top three stories of the NBA season. Maybe not the most incredible. And I feel somewhat disappointed that I didn't have the opportunity to come on somebody's podcast on the ringer.com and make this point like three weeks ago, I sat down in my own late leisure time and took notice of what the Clippers have been doing because I wanted to look at the odds. Speaking of degenerate gambling, for Doc Rivers to win Coach of the Year. Yeah. Now I don't believe that he's going to win Coach of the Year. And by the way, Gonzo, I don't know how close you are to ice right now. Make sure there's at least a ten-inch radius. <laughs> uh, I want you at least ten inches away from ice because that is the, the that's his boner zone right there. I don't want you anywhere near ice during this this portion of our of our chat and anything having to do with the Clippers because the Clippers really are an incredible feel-good story this season, a real testament to a franchise that's out there busting their ass. Speaking of, of a team that wanted to make the playoffs... They're reloading, not rebuilding, and holy cow are they poised for something great to happen this summer. So what a nice run they've been on. Doc Rivers definitely deserves to be in this conversation for Coach of the Year. I don't know who the Clippers' best player is, Gonzo. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and like you said, they're they're in a position right now where not only are they good right now, but they, they've they got those two max slots this offseason, this summer. And they could be really good instead of just, like, you know, functional and professional. Isaac, how excited are you right now that
3: uh, we're giving your Clippers all this love? (laughs) This is amazing. I feel like the Clippers never get any love. I have to, like, sneak it into the outline. I have to, like, you know, a lot of times, like, you'll send me the rough outline and I'll, Mm -hmm. like, control F clippers, and I'll type in <laughs> clippers, and there's no clippers mentioned, so I have to like sneak it in there, but you guys are doing it on your own. This is my favorite three-minute stretch of the heat check ever. Uh,
2: ever. Uh, the only thing I don't like about the clippers, and I really wish they would remedy this, but they won't because they just changed it in the first place. Their logo and their like, Uniform aesthetic mm. is an abomination. It sucks. It's, yeah.
1: it's, it's actually it's it's so a generic. crime. It's a crime yeah.
2: against fashion. This is not hard. I, I mentioned this yeah. on our Slack before. This is not hard. It's very simple, right? Clean and classic, greater than symbol, weird Microsoft logos and updates. Like in every instance, in every sport, like the Jets are thinking about changing their uniform – Their current uniforms are beautiful. Old Eagles uniforms, better than current Eagles uniforms. The old Patriots logo with the colonial guy hiking the football, better than the current space weird Patriot. Always old and clean and classic, greater than simple. Always.
4: You're not going to get any argument out out of me. All right. That's my
2: rant for the day. All right, uh, House, before we do more questions, let's take a quick pause for a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, invite them to apply to your job as applications come in. ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. And now... Back to Heat Check. All right. uh, Let's do the opposite. All right. So we had the biggest surprise. Which team will be the most disappointing in the playoffs?
4: I, again, uh, somewhat regret Sharing my observation on this point, because this is a a team and a franchise that I greatly admire. And I honestly believe that this team has the MVP of the league on it. I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be disappointing this year because I don't think that they're going to win the Eastern Conference. As I just shared, I think the Boston Celtics are going to win the Eastern Conference. And for a team that on a sort of differential basis has had a historical season in terms of its performance against its opponents over the course of an 82-game season. These Bucks deserve better. Ought to be in the Eastern Conference Finals duking it out with whoever. I, I guess that would be the Sixers or Toronto. I just don't think they're going to get past the Celtics. So they're going to be my biggest
2: disappointment. Wow, you have them losing to the Celtics. You've got, this, so you've got the Celtics in the Conference Finals? I do. Already. I, I do. I hate I this. Think I hate everything about this. I don't know if uh, Simmons put you up to this.
4: No, um, he didn't. I think it's going to be the Celtics and the Raptors for the Eastern Conference Final.
2: All right. So that that's fine. It's a fine pick for both ends, but I'm going to go a different way. in In the Western Conference, I was thinking about there's a couple of different ways I could have gone here with the Blazers losing CJ and who knows when he's going to come back, he's going to be reevaluated in a week. That's a big time blow to them. I don't want to pick the Blazers though. I had previously said, Hey, the Clippers, if they end up playing against the Nuggets, that could be bad news for the Nuggets. At which point the Nuggets would be top of my mind for the team. That's most disappointing. Cause they've been so good all season. Uh, I also had the bucks on my list uh, as a potential disappointing team. OKC previously house, I was saying their defense is so good, they might be able to give the Warriors fits if they somehow ran into the Warriors. They just got crushed by the Warriors by 22 points at home. Like, I was excited about OKC. Now I'm not excited. But this is going to be my pick because you forced me into it. (laughs) <laughs> you baited I'm excited for this. You knew what I, you knew it was going to happen. I'm going to go with your Boston Celtics as the most disappointing team in the playoffs. That's great. In That's the same great. way that LeVar Ball said you had to, he had to speak Lonzo to the Lakers. I'm going to speak this into existence. I'm going to say <laughs> the Boston Celtics, after all of us, myself included, anticipated that they would be the best team in the Eastern Conference this season and for many seasons moving forward. And they're so deep and blah blah blah. No, I'm going to say no plane ride will save them. They're going down in the first round. In the first round. Why not? To the Pacers? I'm all Indiana all the time now. Now I'm getting Indiana's season <laughs> tickets. I it, This isn't going to happen. I just want it to. <laughs> That's
4: funny. I enjoy it. I, I just go, go that direction. I, I do want to take note. You I know, just want we, it. You went through very briefly there. The West is insane right now. It really is. Everybody from the four seed through the eight seed, barely like a, a game and a half separates them, two games max. And you could really, you know, these matchups start to get really delicious and really interesting. If Denver pulls Utah in the first round, that is going to be a knockdown drag out. Utah's net differential is third in the in the Western Conference right now, just behind Golden State and Denver. And Utah has been rounding in the form. They, I had them winning 50 games this season. It looks like they might come up just short. They have to go 10-3 and three over the next 13 games, which is possible, but... They really seem to be finding their stride, and their their defensive identity. Speaking of defense and defense in playoffs, and Denver, the the lack of playoff experience that Denver has, Utah could be a
2: problem. Yeah, I that's this is what I'm saying about um you know with the Nuggets. I, I'm nervous if I'm a Nuggets fan. In fact, the way I'm looking at the Western Conference right now, I only have confidence in two teams for sure to advance in the first round. That's the Warriors and the Rockets. After yep. that, the Nuggets. I, like, who knows if they end up with the Jazz or the Clippers. I'm not super confident that the Nuggets advance. And then that 4-5 matchup right now is Blazers-Thunder. Flip a coin for me. So, like, I, you really could put those teams in a hat and pick one out and be like, yeah, they advance. That makes sense to me. That's great. I mean, I'm excited for it. All right, let's do another one. Uh, give me the the player in the Eastern Conference playoffs that will be the, the guy that's going to carry their team. The best player in the Eastern Conference playoffs coming up.
4: With all due respect, there's four names that deserve uh, recognition and credit. So all due respect to Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. All due uh, respect
2: to Joel Embiid. Which, by the way, this is the first time we've mentioned them, the Sixers, on this podcast. I'm not doing a bit <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, that makes me a little nervous. That like They go out and they load up their roster, and at no point were we like, you know who's going to be really good in the playoffs? I think it's going to be the Sixers. Well, let's talk about this real quick then. Here's the problem
4: with the Sixers. They don't have a talent problem. They have a coach problem. So I don't I need understand to know.
2: This, this, this Brett Brown disdain. Tynes did this bit last week. I think Brett is perfectly fine. I don't know whether or not it's disdain. Just prove it. Go show it. Here's
4: the thing. I watch the Sixers. I've seen a lot of their games. They've been deservedly on a lot of national TV. Inside of four minutes, which is the only barometer for me, that's when it's time for for coaching to matter, I see them run offense that I can't figure out. I see Ben Simmons initiate the offense by passing the ball to one side or the other and then stand still at the top of the key. I see Joel Embiid taking three-point shot attempts inside of four minutes left in the basketball game when the outcome is still in doubt and and throwing up bricks. Joel Beach should never touch the ball outside <laughs> the three-point line with four minutes left in the game. That's coaching <laughs> malpractice as far as I'm concerned uh, unless it's a last-second shot to try and tie the game and the ball bounced into his hands. I mean, I need to see this. Now, look, the talent load-up was great. I'm impressed. But they need to get up over this organizational I'm going to use the word dysfunction. They need to figure out what they're going to do with 4 minutes left in the game in the playoffs and you know what? They might shut me the f up. They just beat, you here know they just beat it. the Bucks. I'd be right? fine with that.
2: You know they just beat the we, Bucks. Yeah, it was and, it <laughs> the
4: first game without Brogdon.
2: Um what I'm saying and and I didn't mean for this to become a Sixers thing. I did, and didn't anticipate Well, you
4: you said we hadn't talked about it. Let's well, get to I didn't it to mean for
2: it to like spark a conversation. I'll tell you what I told Tyne's last week, which is this. After the first five guys, what do we reasonably expect Brett Brown to abracadabra, hocus pocus with Mike Scott, James Ennis, Boban, TJ, Jonah Bolden, Jonathan Simmons, and Amir Johnson? Like that bench, that after their five, good luck. Give me the best coach in the NBA and tell me what he's going to do with that group. It's going to be real, real tough.
4: But my complaint isn't with the bench. My complaint isn't a personnel complaint. Their five best guys are good enough to win the East. Yeah, but you can't play them all 48 minutes a game but they're not showing up with four minutes left in the game down by a dozen because their bench has put them in that spot. They're good. The Sixers are good. They have a talent to win the East. They have a coaching problem.
2: The knee bone is connected to the elbow bone or however that song goes. I think it's I think it's all related. All right, just give me your— Well, I was, we got I was apologizing.
4: A here. I was apologizing to Embiid. I apologize to Kyrie Irving. I'm going to apologize to the Greek freak. Mm-hmm. The best player in the Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be Kawhi Leonard. I believe that he is going to remind all of us of what he's capable of at the height of his Kawhi powers. It has been really you know, two full years since we laid eyes on the full Kawhi in the playoffs. This dude is a top three talent in the entire National Basketball Association, and this dude wants to play. Oh, no. Stay away from ice. Get two feet away from ice, Gonzo. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard wants to play for the Los Angeles Clippers next season, and he is going to come out and put it on everybody this coming Eastern Conference playoffs. He's he's not going to permit the Kyle Lowry annual wilting flower routine in the the playoffs. I think Kawhi is going to carry Toronto to the Eastern Conference finals. I
2: didn't want to do this, but for the first time on this pod, we've agreed. I also have Kawhi... Like, I like Toronto. I've liked them all year. They're deep. They're good. They're functional. Kawhi is really super talented. And that narrative that you just threw out there about Kawhi being one and done in Toronto, womp womp for all of our uh, We The North fans. That sucks for them. But it could be a good farewell because... They're really well positioned to win the Eastern Conference, and I'm with you. If, if Kawhi ends up being the best player in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they're probably going to be in the finals. And if he leaves, but he gets you to the finals, that's a relatively good outcome. I and mean, obviously, you'd ra- you'd rather have him stick around. But I think after all these years of running into LeBron in the playoffs and getting smacked and getting shut down and trying to like having a good regular season record, but like disappointing in the playoffs. That would be better than previous seasons.
4: Yeah, that's right. He will be leaving the franchise in a better place than when he arrived.
2: It would still be sad for Raptors fans, but we'll see if we get there. All right, last one for you. Non-Warriors edition. You can't pick any Warriors. Who's going to be the best player in the Western Conference?
4: This is uh, so lame. I can't believe that I'm going to go a lame route. I'm just going to say James Harden. And the reason I'm going to say James Harden is because I think this is the playoffs Where the Houston Rockets acquit themselves. Now, look, I'm knocking on wood. Do you hear me? Ow! I'm knocking so loud, it hurts my hand. (laughs) This is going to be the redemption story for the Rockets. And it's going to be a little bit out of left field because last season, they showed everybody what the, you know, when they're all healthy. And what I'm knocking on wood for is for health. I really am dying for health for the Rockets. But that, when Capella and our, our boy CP3, And Harden are healthy and able to play together. They're formidable and honestly can pose an interesting challenge to the Warriors. I didn't say beat them, I didn't say win a series of seven games. I just think it's a really, really the most interesting challenge. Out of the West to me comes from the Houston Rockets. It begins and ends obviously with Harden. I think he's going to rest a little bit. His efficiency has gone down a bit in March so far. You know, at some point, that the, all of the that carrying this franchise for the first uh, you know seventy five games will catch up to him. Let James get a little bit of rest. Let his neck and shoulder soothe a little bit. Get the uh, stimulation on there a little
2: ice, a little heat. That's what I recommend. And just come on in and let's get this thing going. In addition to providing financial advice on this podcast, now you're providing like trainer, health, doctor advice.
4: Low PT, low physical therapy uh, guidance.
2: You're multi talented. Uh, Harden's a good one. I won't pick Harden though, because uh, you did. For me, like, you know, in the same way that I said that uh, I'm worried about the Nuggets and who they draw in the first round, that sort of negates Jokic for me. Like, I could see Jokic being that guy. I'll sure. go to that four or five matchup where I see like whoever gets out of the, the Blazers, OKC, Matchup if they end up in fact playing each other, I think that could be a guy who could be a candidate. And for me, it would be either Dame or PG. And we're not going to straddle the fence here. And I hate to do this because longtime listeners of Heat Check know how much I love all things Portland and the Blazers and their aesthetic and their team and the whole bit. I love all of it. I would love to pick Dame. I'm not going to. I'm going to pick a guy who's been a killer all season, Paul George. Paul George has been so good at both ends of the floor all season long. And if OKC is going to do anything in the playoffs they're going to need to ride his back. It's always Russ's team because it's the Thunder, right? But really if you're talking about who's the best player, it's Paul George and it's not close. So my my only concern is what version
4: of PG13 are we getting because since he's returned after the the shoulder injury, his efficiency, shooting efficiency is way down. He's struggled with his efficiency in his seven games back after the injury, 36% from the field. Still averaging 30 points and nine rebounds over the last three games. So maybe this is just a work in the rust off kind of thing. Yeah. But you remember last season, he was gangbusters up to a certain point and then sort of somewhat mysteriously, and we don't really have an explanation, his efficiency fell way off and it carried through into the playoffs.
2: Redemption. It's a redemption story. I'm placing it, but it's a gamble. I admit that it's a gamble. It's a gamble on the team. It's a gamble on the player. I'm doing it anyway. I'm picking PG. Uh, Joe House, always love having you on the program. You've got Fairway Rolling now. It's your new golf podcast. You've got House of Carbs, which was uh, so much fun to be on. You've got all kinds of stuff going on.
4: Love you, Gonzo. We're going to talk today, uh, break down the just-concluded Players' Championship on Fairway Rolling. (laughs) Rory (laughs) McIlroy just put it down, and what a glorious tournament. Golf relevant in March is such a neat idea. I have to give kudos to the PGA Tour. I'm going to give all of them pats on the back and hope that they invite me out for a round. Anyway, we'll have
2: that up uh, later today. Gonzo, thanks for having me on. Listen to House. House, we always love having you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks to House. We always love having him on. Uh, Before we get to Dan Devine, we're going to run through the NBA watch of the night. I'm going to go with Pacers at Blazers tonight on ESPN. The Pacers, Isaac, refuse to yield to anybody. They lose... Depot, and yet they have—I believe they're—they're they're still sixth in the league in that rating, which is just yeah. kind of crazy to Oof. me. Uh, they're playing at the Blazers. Blazers just lost CJ McCollum for a little bit. He's going to be reevaluated next week. He had a little scare, but the Blazers are kind of plugging along. The Pacers are plugging along. And Isaac, like, if you were going to pick the best player on the Pacers right now,
3: who would it be? Oh, that's tough. I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich is the guy He's who's been playing um, well. who's scoring a lot. But you see Sabonis getting a lot of production off the bench.
2: It depends on the night. Like, that's what I'm night, saying. You look at the Pacers, and I'm like, I don't know who their best player is. I think is maybe that's
3: what's fueling their winning streak is that they're pretty un- unpredictable now without Victor Oladipo. I mean, granted, they are four and six over the last 10. They're not bulldozing over teams but
2: they're not bulldozing teams you're right they are four and six over the last 10 but my thing is without Oladipo I expected them to absolutely crater and they have still somehow managed to stay in that three four five mix with the Sixers and the Celtics and make it sort of interesting and like I don't know if Nate McMillan is a good coach but I know that and I, I know this team is somehow is greater than the sum of its parts it's an interesting team
3: yeah, I think it might be an indictment on the rest of the East, though, from five yeah, to probably. eight. Um, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Nets, and the Heat. Obviously, the Celtics are quite good, but they had that slump at the beginning of the year. So, Pistons, Nets, and Heat, what's up with them is probably the question we should be asking.
2: Pacers have an absolutely brutal schedule. They're on a back to back. They're playing on the road right now for a while. They've got a little road trip. Uh, Blazers tonight, Clippers tomorrow night. But tonight, they're in Portland. That's the second half of a doubleheader on ESPN. Before that, you get the Golden State Warriors at the Spurs. Golden State will be probably without Boogie. It looks like he's going to have an MRI on his ailing foot. They're going to have it in the mix, so a big night on yeah. ESPN. Check out all that basketball, and remember, gang, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or from your preferred video provider. And now, before we get to Dan Devine, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by Capterra. Remember 1989? I do. Isaac does not. He wasn't born yet. The year the World Wide Web was invented. We've come a long way since then. So why does it feel like the software you use every day at work is stuck in the past? Take a leap into the future by finding the right software for your business on Capterra.com, the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. With over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users, Capterra has everything you need to make an informed decision. Search more than 700 specific categories of software from project management to email marketing. No matter what your business needs, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Now I don't. I don't have a business. I work for a business. However, were I to have my own business and be my own boss, I would certainly need to go and check out what kind of software I would want for my business. And to do that, where would I look? Capterra, of course. I would go to capterra.com/nba for free today. I'm going to start my business today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Capterra.com/nba. That's Capterra, spelled C-A-P. T-E-R-R-A dot slash N-B-A. Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by ADT. That's Real Protection. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you deserve real protection from ADT. Real protection means the nation's number one smart home security provider standing by and there for you when you need them most. Real protection means having a safe and smart home with everything from video doorbells, surveillance cameras, smart locks, lights, carbon monoxide, and smoke detectors in a system that's custom designed to fit your lifestyle. And setting up custom automations to do things like lock the doors and set the thermostat when you leave. Real protection means staying safe on the go, in the car, or when your kids are at school with the ADT Go app and SOS button. Real protection means 18,000 employees safeguarding you. Real protection means direct connections with first responders. No matter how you define safety for you, your family, or your business, ADT is there. ADT, real protection. Visit ADT.com slash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. All right, joining us on the other line from New York City, one of our favorite staff writers, it's Dan Devine. Uh, He's also the resident Mario Hazonia (laughs) superfan.
0: That's right. It's not Danny Chow. Danny Chow may, may have written pieces about how he still believes in Mario Hazonia, mm-hmm. but it's been inside me this whole
2: it's time. All, it's always been bubbling inside you. I got off of Mario Hazonia a while ago. I had previously been all about Mario Hazonia, especially like before he came over uh, from, <laughs> right. from the Euro League. Like when he said, I, I love this. I, I've always loved it. I loved watching him in the Euro League, but uh, there was a, a famous quote where somebody had said, hey, have you gone to see Messi yet? And he said, let Messi come see me. And I'm like, I love that dude. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. It was a really great like uh, elevator pitch for
0: why you should like Mario Hazonia. Mm-hmm. The last four years have provided maybe the counter argument to that elevator yeah, yeah, pitch, yeah. but the confidence is still in there, as was pretty clearly evident on the final play of the Knicks game against the Lakers yeah, on Sunday.
2: So the Knicks beat the Lakers. Lol, Lakers. Uh, they win on a game winning block by Mario Mario On LeBron James, which is crazy and also post game hilarious. So Ian Begley in the media, New York media, ask Mario Hazonia, hey, like, of course, everybody always thinks about, you know, like dreams about hitting a game winning shot. Did you ever dream about making a game winning block? And he said, you know, I said this to Scott Perry and Steve Mills, the GM and president. He said, if you sign me because of this defense, you're crazy. (laughs) <laughs> I've never played like this. It happens, you know, especially now if you look at guys like Clay Thompson and Kawhi and stuff like that, they're as effective on offense as they are on defense. And that's what the NBA needs right now to win. That's what teams need. And I'm trying my best to be one of those guys. Yo, I'm back in on Mario Hazonia. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the it's
0: there are not very many players who this season have like signature moments against Giannis and LeBron mm-hmm. so i mean if, if you're sort of if you're developing a very narrowly tailored and highly filtered power rankings of players he's got to be right up there at the top of the list league mvp i think I mean, DPOI, there's there's a lot of ways you can go with Mario Hazonia <laughs> over these final couple of
2: weeks. Um, the Knicks are just bananas. Uh, so all of this stuff is swirling with the Knicks all, all year long, but they're tanking. They, they're trying to free up two max slots. They trade away Chris Stapps, Porzingis. And then on top of that, you've got James Dolan out there being James Dolan. And he had previously, (laughs) like, a fan had said, sell the team, and he got pissed off, and the fan got escorted out. And then apparently there was video of Dolan telling a man with a sell the Knicks sign to leave his band's performance. And this is according from Stefan Bondi. Uh, He said, anybody else here thinks that's a little negative? That's what Dolan asked the crowd. And one person in the sparse crowd booed, at which point Dolan said, I'm going to invite you to leave too. Amazing how thin-skinned this dude is. So naturally, I'm sure you saw this. Our esteemed and super talented producer, Isaac Lee, revamped Ice to Ice and came back with yet another song. And this one is for your New York Knicks. He did a song called Sell the Team.
1: When I find myself in times of trouble, courtside seats at MSG, speaking words of wisdom, sell the team. In our hour of darkness There's a fire right in front of thee Speaking words of wisdom Sell the team 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 tea. Whisper words of wisdom Sell the team
2: So good. In addition to being super talented and handsome, That voice is angelic,
0: Isaac Lee. It's amazing. It made me weep sweet, sweet tears of joy to hear the song. And then when I thought about what the song was about... Made me weep very, very bitter, bitter tears of anguish and agony. On the flip side of things, but listen, music is there to ha- for us to have that kind of emotional experience. And I mean, Ice to Ice has provided that for fans, you know, the world
2: over for, and forever. I mean, they're a, they're a classic, legendary, Hall of Fame band. They're going gonna, back to the '60s and '70s. They're going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame any minute now. Not if James Dolan has anything to say about it with yeah. his music industry connections. <laughs> that would be incredible. I told Isaac uh, when he gets his EGOT, he still has to produce the podcast um, for you as a. A Knicks fan, as a New Yorker, as a basketball writer. What is it like to be a Knicks fan right now? I, like, and I and normally <laughs> like that's a charged question, but I feel like it's even more charged right now because they've had such a strange season even for them. And this whole Dolan thing, like Simmons swears that he's right about. Dolan Fielding offers to potentially sell off the team. Dolan has said that's not true. He said that uh, Simmons was peddling propaganda on behalf of uh, one of the GMs that he's very close friends with. Then Bill came on NBA desktop and he's like, "Why would I want James Dolan to sell the team? I want him to be the owner forever." Which hilarious, and I'm on board with that idea. But for you, as somebody who's like kind of quasi invested in their you know outcome, their results, like what's this like right now?
0: It is, it's really, it's It's hard to be able to, to put it into words because there's a part of it that is so believable, like the, the, that this would be the way things are shaping up, that in the first sort of uh, open door toward a positive future that the Knicks have had in a few years where, you know, you can, you can make the the logical argument for, yeah, okay, you yes, you trade away Kristaps, but you do that for the purpose of clearing up the cap space. And now there's, a, you know, yes, you can go after premium free agents. You also have a ton of room to be able to bring in other things in trade if you need to do it that way. You have all these young talents. You have all your picks going forward. You have extra picks. There's an, a logic to the team building where you're like, there's a lot of ways this could turn out well or, right. The or is (laughs) the key is the key. And like the, or gets louder and louder. The more James Dolan says things, does things looks sideways at people and tells them they can't come to his JD and the straight shot show, all these sorts of things. And it's like, so the, the, the thing that I have a harder time with is as we get closer and closer to July 1st, if you're one of these elite free agents, if you're Kevin Durant, if you're Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, further on down the list, is this the person you want to hitch your wagon to over the course of the next few years of your career? Like, this maybe, is my point. Yeah, maybe owning owning New York is worth it, but like, I don't know, man. It's a hard sell.
2: I think it's a super hard sell. Like, I, you, and I both have written about the Knicks at length this season to your initial point about like the team building and the idea of like, oh shit, for the first time in a long time, the Knicks have all their picks. That hasn't been true for a decade, Um, (laughs) which is crazy, right? And then they traded away their best player in a very long time, but they also gave themselves like considerable flexibility, right? And they could have two max slots and that makes sense. That's very attractive from a team building standpoint. However, and this is in the same way that you had an or, my however is gigantic and it's all capitals and it's underlined and it's bold. I don't think I'd want to go work for James Dolan. I don't want to be in that environment. He has shown that organization has shown no capacity for actually writing the ship and like for like self-evaluation and and auditing where they go, "Oh, well, you know, what we're doing here doesn't make much sense or what the owner is doing is isn't very helpful." And they're just so universally thin-skinned. Like when they're banning or uh, not involving all the media members or they're getting upset about certain things that are written or a a fan saying, sell the team. Like you live and work and own a team in New York, dude. If somebody says sell the team, you got to let that roll off your back.
0: It's significantly worse when you see that Ted Leonsis in DC had a similar situation recently. Uh, Candace Buckner of the Washington Post wrote about it. Fan comes up and and says, you know, I think it was fire Ernie, which I know we've talked about a few times here on this show and that the response he had was to like make a joke out of it, spin it forward and they, then it, it completely takes all the venom out of it. It completely defangs it by like I'm not going to take this seriously. That is, you know, we move forward with it and we don't we certainly don't ban people and turn it into a whole public debacle that then you like 4 days after the fact go on the radio to explain yourself and then extend the news cycle and make it all look worse anyway. It's a franchise that the Knicks have been very, very clear that they want to be judged by the the actions and the, the the track record and the performance of this current new group, right? The the Steve Mills, Scott Perry, and David Fisdale sort of era, this new mm-hmm. sort, new new front office, new organization. And that may I understand that. That makes sense. Judge us by what we do with this group, not what has been done by regimes past. The problem is there will always be that guy at the top of the food chain, at the top of the organization chart. And I don't know how you disassociate that if you are somebody who's saying, I'm going to put, I don't know, the remainder of my competitive prime in the hands of an organization and that's the guy running it. I think that becomes a cautionary tale, a real concern for if you're one of you know a player that's trying to make that decision. When you are a max level talent, you're going to get max offers from anywhere you want to be. That kind of stuff matters, and we've just haven't seen. It, it, it's it's entirely possible that this was you know this the the entire Knicks rebuilding plan has been done with an eye toward putting something together that they know they have in hand. It's just it's a long time before we get to July, and the, every time James Dolan's yeah. name comes up in a headline, it makes the, the the chances of it all going well seem more and more remote.
2: I I'm in agreement with you, but in a weird way this is going to work out great regardless for me because uh, I I only care about narratives. I mean, I know I know that like, you know, I talk about the Sixers and the, they're the team that I follow the most and, and uh, there's a, some part of me deep down buried away that like wants good things for them, but mostly I just root for me and for storylines because we're about content here at the Ringer and narratives, right? So this works out either way on that front because if KD and or Kyrie go to the Knicks, that's a fascinating story. But if neither of them Go and they miss out, and now the Knicks are st- looking around like to spend some money on somebody. I had mentioned this uh, to you before. My working theory at present, and I really hope this happens because it would also work out nicely for the Sixers. Katie and Kyrie don't go there. The Knicks are looking around to spend some money on somebody, and here comes Jimmy Butler to the rescue. <laughs> I want that so bad. It. Fe- I mean,
0: I. It, it, yeah. There's a. I mean, it's. It's so hard because if the if they pull the football away result is still you get like an all-star that's like it's hard to argue with that too much but then that said that's like three other fan bases have talked themselves into and out of that scenario in the last couple of years with Jimmy Butler it's really it would seem almost too perfect for the Knicks to be the fourth uh, in line in there and you know whatever that is sloppy fourths with, I don't know
2: within moments of signing him he would be singing Ice to Ice's acclaimed classic sell the team <laughs> and James Dolan would be asking him to leave uh, his band's performance it would be fucking amazing and that would be the end of your guy Mitchell Robbins and Jimmy Butler would at him. Oh, my God. You love I, Mitchell Robinson. You wrote about him. You couldn't keep him out of your comb from uh, the five most interesting teams. Well, you know, ever
0: since John Gonzalez, the great John Gonzalez, mm-hmm. unveiled the take on... <laughs> Uh, on heat check, um, I ha- actually I think it might it might have been first with Chris Ryan. You talked about it. Well, I wasn't even on the podcast when you brought up the take, and then we you know we discussed it. It has become I- I'm not going to say it's inspired Mitchell Robinson to new heights, but uh, I mean, dude's been amazing. And yeah, so I, uh, last Friday I got to write about my weekly five most interesting teams column. It was uh, what is the most interesting thing about the five least interesting teams in the league? Like obviously it. I you know I fudged a little bit because clearly I'm interested in what goes on with the Knicks, but on the court it has not been particularly exciting unless you're paying attention to Mitchell Robinson and uh, yeah, I, my guy I enjoy very much and I got to be able to put the take into print which it's I, so I good. enjoyed very it, it's much.
2: It's an excellent take uh, included in that take uh, about you standing for Mitchell Robinson you, you mentioned uh, ESPN's excellent Kevin Pelton who said that Per Kevin Pelton's numbers, Robinson trails only Luka and Trey Young in wins above replacement player among rookies. My computer almost exploded from, uh, from the <laughs> fire take. Uh, but, you know, good for the Knicks. That's one thing that they can be excited about is Mitchell Robinson. Who knows how it'll work out. But so they just beat the Lakers, and I wanted to ask you about this. Like, if you had a pick between those two franchises right now, who, which would you be more optimistic about? Because there's some feeling that, you know, with LeBron going to be 35 years old and and you're going to write about, like, you know, are we looking at maybe post-peak LeBron? If he is post-peak, which you're, you know, you're going to interrogate, which one do you feel better about, Lakers or Knicks? Oh man, I, I'd still probably
0: say LA, if only because there isn't. You're still banking on the Knicks landing something that even is at the level of post-peak LeBron. Like right. post-peak LeBron is still twenty-seven, eight and eight. Yes, the Lakers are now closer to the bottom of the standings than they are to the eighth seed at this point, but they've been, I think they're 25 and 26 with LeBron in the lineup this year. And that is like a level of success and competence that the Knicks haven't been able to have have, you know, only barely grasped at the hem of over the last half decade or so. How incredible
2: is that too? Like, like one of LeBron's worst seasons where he's a game under 500. If you're a Knicks fan, you're going, God, I would take that. That sounds great. We're talking about you know a, a,
0: a fan base that is starved for scraps, no question about it. And that you know, I, I find myself sometimes thinking about like I really should have appreciated the one like cool Mike Woodson season a lot more when it was happening, when he put Carmelo at the four and two point guards and Pablo Prigioni. I should have really like savored that more when I had the chance. And that's like where you find yourself left at this point, but. I mean, the Lakers, they are in a very complicated situation that's made even more so by Brandon Ingram's uh, health situation. Obviously, you know, news coming out that he's had surgery to uh, respond to the deep venous thrombosis in his arm that expected to make a full recovery for next season. We certainly hope for the best for him. We hope for healthy recovery. He is a major trade piece for them that obviously they're going to be looking to make upgrades to the roster this summer. It's his his injury and Alonzo Ball, the fact that he has basically missed half the season now with a sprained ankle, and this is the second straight season that he's going to be playing in a significantly curtailed number of games and ending the season on the, uh, on the injured list. Like that's a big deal. And for whatever the Lakers hopes to be able to accomplish and trade, they are going to be a max free agency, to, uh, you know, shopper too. We'll see what you know, how successful they're going to be in that regard. But at least they already have a couple of young of young pieces that are look like they're at least somewhat enticing and LeBron on the roster with the Knicks. You're sort of projecting out with Robinson. You're projecting out with Kevin Knox, Beyond that, you know, none of the other sort of main pieces are already there on the roster. So uh, it's it's weird to say that as, as rough as it's been for the Lakers, you might take their situation right now at least, but obviously all that changes if Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving are both signed on the dotted line on July 1.
2: Yeah, I would I would definitely still take the Lakers. I mean, I, I think like for all the reasons you outlined, plus LeBron is better than anything that the Knicks have had for a long time. So even if he mm-hmm. is post-peak, which, by the way, this could be a real thing now. Like, we might be into the decline of the greatest player of his generation and and perhaps the greatest player of all time. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I still could have a like I could do with a few more years of uh, you know prime superstar superhero LeBron. I like that. I like it the NBA is more enjoyable to me when when LeBron's on top of his game and when he's going to go home early to you know spend his off season shooting Space Jam 2. I want to see the movie eventually, but I'm less excited about him using his talent in the off season that way than another deep run into the playoffs.
0: I would agree with you, except I'm not sure that I agree on. I want to go see space jam too. You don't want to see space jam. Tell me you like space jam. I mean, I have the, I have the nostalgia for it as remembering it as something from my youth, but it's not, it wasn't very good. The best part of space jam to me. And this is the the one take that I will always have is bill Murray. That sort of uh, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I don't play defense. That bill. That was my, always my favorite part of that movie as maybe a one dimensional player in my own right. But I mean, yeah, it's, LeBron is now, You know we've, it's, it's well chronicled. past 56,000 career minutes at this point regular and postseason combined and it's only going to get you know the numbers only going to go up the age is only going to go up the uh
2: that happens by the way I can confirm that
0: yes yeah, as, as a as a wash gentleman with a lower back issue yes, yes I can totally confirm that um the suspension of disbelief where you have to say like, well, all things are possible through LeBron James. We now know that's not true. Like, you couldn't even get into the playoffs in the West with with LeBron James this year. Obviously, he was he missed a, a bunch of time with the groin injury. But like, we we now know that that's not always going to be the case. And it seems like when things start to pick up steam going downhill, they can the speed can pick up awfully quickly. So, I mean, this will also be the flip side of that. Is this is the first will be the longest layoff LeBron has had in fifteen years. So maybe he uses that to get his body right, and get everything else in order and in, in, in order to extend this run as long as possible. But it's at least a possibility, and I think that's got to be a pretty frightening thing if you're a Laker fan.
2: Top of his form, though, when it comes to entertainment world. I mean, shop is out there. He's doing uninterrupted stuff. I mean, he's really, like, he's coming into his prime in the entertainment world. There's no, there's no question about that, and he's certainly
0: setting the table. I mean, the, the real thing is, I think... I'm going to be fascinated to find out if he's got all this extra time this spring and summer you know Kobe just came out with the what is it called the Wizenard series sure. his, his, I know does LeBron have a 550 word fantasy novel uh, banked around <laughs> basketball in, in his pocket Kobe very clearly went with like the Harry Potter route since we're talking you know we're in, in the season of binge mode I'm re, I'm interested to find out if LeBron has a like mammoth George R.R. R. Martin Game of Thrones but basketball kind of storyline in his back pocket that he can start working on this summer. I want to see some pages, LeBron. That's what I need to see from you this summer.
2: Yet another uh, reason for Kobe fans to hate LeBron. Uh, the rivalry continues. I had, met, I had intended to run through your entire five most interesting uh, teams, and I wanted to get into this whole bit about you know what the Charlotte Hornets are going to do with Kemba Walker. We don't have time because you're too busy. you got to go finish writing. So next time you come on, we'll run through your entire team. But I encourage everybody to go and read that story because it was a fun story.
0: Thank you very much, Guns. Anytime for you and as as much time as you need for me. That's what I'd be happy
2: to do. Dan Devine, go and read him on The Ringer. He's excellent. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. All right, that was Dan Devine. I want to thank him. I want to thank House. I want to thank Isaac. Isaac, as, as we get out of the show here, let's just play out some more uh, Sell the Team because it was too good. Play it under me because it was so excellent. I, I encourage everybody to listen to the whole song, as you can hear. It's, it's really his finest work. I really like the Luca song as well. It's a tough call between which was better. I want to thank Isaac Lee. I want to thank all of you for listening. I would like to encourage you to please rate and review us on iTunes if you would be so inclined, read all of our content on the ringer.com and don't forget, mismatch on Tuesday group chat on Thursday, corner 3 on Friday, ice to ice and I will be back on Monday with heat check. Thanks for listening everybody. Bye.
1: Sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. is angry, there are several billion at your feet, consider it tomorrow, sell the tea, I wake up to the sound of music, the straight shot band.